So we just want to welcome you that are joining us online. It is great to have you with us. You know, if this message impacts you, please let us know. If you're ever in our area, come and check us out. We would love to see you. All right, in case you don't know, my name is Neil. I am one of the pastors here at Connect Church, and it is my privilege I get to bring the word today with Pastor Adam and Anita away, so I am excited. Uh, now, big question, important question, how many of you like a bargain? Like, man, I seriously like a bargain. My wife, she's the king of bargains. You know, she hunts down all the coupons and the vouchers and all that. We're always getting a bargain in our house. Now, I love bargains. I think bargains are great. What I don't like is when you kind of get ripped off. When, you know, you, you think you've got this bargain and you get, it, you get it home and on the box it says all this stuff and you open it up and you get it out and you're like, mate, this wasn't a bargain. I got ripped off. It, it, it doesn't do what it says on the box. Yeah, anybody you ever had experiences like that? When I was, uh, when I was younger, because I'm still young, when I was younger, I don't know, about, hey, you don't need to laugh at that. Pastor Ian's laughing at me. I was probably, I don't know, about eight or nine, something like that. Back when I was little, we had these things called comics. I don't know, is anybody familiar with comics? Yeah, you know, like there was Tintin and Batman and uh, Commando. Does anybody remember that? Yeah. Oh, Ian Collector Commando comics. They were, they were, they were awesome. What, what these comics had, though, is they did have advertising. Like you would open the page and there would be this whole page that's set aside with all these products that you could send away for. It was like mail order. There were things like, um, you know, walkie-talkie watches. You know, back in the day, that's pretty high end. They had, they had like, I don't know why, but they had x-ray glasses. You know, you could buy these x-ray glasses so you could see through, you know, people's bodies, see their bones and those sort of things. They had these things, and these things called sea monkeys. They had sea monkeys. And I'm reading this comic, and, and this ad for these sea monkeys caught my, caught my attention. And I'm looking at the picture, and they're like these little, uh, well, I don't know, they're like sea monkeys. They're like these little monkey things. They've got tails. They've got little crowns on their head, and they live in water. And I'm like, mate, and, and like you read the instruction, it's like they're a family and there's a little community and they've got, you know, there's past, uh, pictures of little castles that they live in. And I'm like, mate, this is awesome. So I, uh, back in the day, you don't have internet, you don't have, you know, credit card online, push the button, it's here tomorrow. You had to get money. This is this paper stuff. You used to get money and you used to go down to the post office and then you had to fill in a form and get a money order. Then you got the money order, you took it home, you took the form out, you filled it in, you put it in a letter, and then you posted it to the other side of the world. And then about six weeks later, your sea monkeys arrived. That's how fast paced life was back in those days. Your sea monkeys arrived. And so I, I get them out and I kind of, I'm like, get my bowl of water, you fill it up with water, and then you pour this packet in, you stir it up. And then in three days, you will get sea monkeys is what it says on the packet. And so I, I do all that, and three days later, I get up in the morning. I'm only little, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at this bowl. And, mate, it's just like this globby, soupy, murky, like, it's, I'm looking at it going, what a ripoff. And then I read the instructions, because guys, we don't normally read the instructions. First, we kind of read it at the end. So then I thought, oh, I'll read the instructions, and I read the fine print. And it says, sea monkeys are very tiny. 
you'd need a magnifying glass to see them. I'm like, mate, that's not what it looked like in the ad, but I'm, I'm not giving up. So I get, I get my magnifying glass and I'm looking, I'm looking at this murky, messy gob of stuff. And I got to tell you, there is no way those things had a tail. There was no way they had heads. It was a complete ripoff. I got absolutely ripped off. I am still trying to get over it to this day. But the question I want to ask is, how do you know whether you're getting a genuine article or you're getting a ripoff, you're getting a copy, you're getting, getting a counterfeit? How do you know that, 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 that this deal is the real deal and it's not a fake? How do, you, how do you know this? I mean, what about God? Like, what about God? How do we know we've, we've got the real deal? How do, how do we know that we've, we've got the real God? We haven't got some knockoff, some counterfeit. Well, good news. You've heard the good news, the gospel. Well, how do we know? How do we know we've got good news and we didn't sign up and get fake news? Like, are you sure you've got the good news and you haven't got the fake news? Like, like how do you know? Because there's a counterfeit out there. There's a counterfeit gospel. But how, how do you tell them apart? Because sometimes they can be so similar, we don't know. How, how can you tell? Well, I tell you about a counterfeit. What I know about a counterfeit is it won't deliver what it promises on the box. It won't deliver what it, what it makes out it'll deliver. It'll fall short of that. Donald, Donald Trump, good old Donald Trump, he, he kind of coined that phrase, fake news. I mean, he, he made it popular, but how many know fake news has been around a lot longer than Donald Trump? Fake news goes right back to the Garden of Eden, friends. Fake news was running rampant. Believe it or not, read your Bible, it's in there. Fake news was rampant in the Garden of Eden. And, that, and that's where I want to go today. I want to I talk about this story of Adam, Adam and Eve. Is that okay? All right, you've got to say yes, you haven't got a choice. All right, so in Genesis chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles, that's this thing and it's, you know, it's quite thick, it's got all these words in it. You should try using the paper one, not an not a iPad one. It makes a difference. Okay, Genesis 2, verse 8. Are we ready? It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Okay, now in the middle of the garden, God puts a choice. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, let me just pause here for a moment. Because whenever you talk about the Garden of Eden, instantly an image comes to everybody's mind. Like, like, like we've all read the, well, not all of us, but many of us, we've read, we've read the, the, the kids' Bibles and all that. You've seen the cartoon characters. And whenever we talk about the Garden of Eden, the image that comes is always this. You've got like, you've got like Eve, you know, she's standing there. She got, she got her apple in her hand. You know, there's a little, there's a little bite out of it. You know, you, you know, you've seen this. And she's, she's standing there in the garden. She got long hair. You know, she got long hair. She got long hair for a reason, because she's naked. So she got this long hair covering it all up. And then you know where Adam is, because he's, he's behind the bush. You know, because he's got to be behind the bush. He's naked as well. And then, and then there's the serpent. You know, he's up in the tree. He's like hanging out 
looking, looking at these two. And everybody knows that's the Garden of Eden. That's where Adam and Eve choose to sin against God, rebel against God, and it goes downhill from there. And that's great, except that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture actually says something a little bit different. You see, they actually have a different choice in front of them. This isn't about do I sin or don't I sin? Do I rebel against God or don't I? There's a different choice they have to make. The choice they make will eventually head down that path, but the original choice isn't about do I sin or don't I? Be I good? Do I be good or don't I? It's not about that. Watch this. Watch it. In the middle of the garden, I'm excited. In the middle of the garden, there's the tree of life. And the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good, the knowledge of evil. There's two trees. There are two choices. There are two approaches to God. You can approach God through two different ways. You can approach God through the tree of life, or you can approach God through the tree of knowledge, knowledge of good, knowledge of evil. There are two approaches. It's crucial we understand that in the garden, it's where it was set in place. Two approaches to God, through life or through knowledge. That's the choice Adam and Eve were first presented with. Life or knowledge. Watch which watch happens in verse 16. God says this. <clears throat> Get ready. Here we go. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't let that be your worldview. Don't let your approach to life be all about knowledge and good and evil and what's good and what isn't. Don't live like that because God says this, for when you eat of that tree, you will surely die. That ain't good news. You will surely die. Now, let me be clear here because it's confusing. God's not talking about a physical death. They didn't eat of the apple and drop dead. Adam lives to like 430 years old. That's pretty old. He didn't drop dead at that moment. God's talking, you will die inwardly. You will die to your dreams, your desires, your family will die, your life will die. You will become consumed with this tree of knowledge. It will put you in a religious tailspin because you're spending your whole time trying to work out what's good and what's not. And how far can I go when God, God good stops being good and becomes evil? And God's like, don't eat of that tree because it will kill you. It will consume you. Are you with me? Yeah. So we have these two trees. Tree of life, okay? Tree of life brings freedom, brings liberty. It's like this internal transformation through relationship. The tree of knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it brings bondage. It brings death. It's, it's a world of being in your head about what's right and wrong, and am I being good enough or am I being naughty? And we get caught up in this. So there's these two trees. This was the choice that was in front of Adam and Eve. How will I approach God? Through good and evil or through the tree of life? Knowledge of good and evil. And then we know the story. Who turns up on the scene? I mean, he's already there because he's up in the tree. But the serpent rocks up. Okay, now catch this, the serpent. So now the serpent, well, he was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Like true, did, did you hear God correctly? Maybe you misunderstood him. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat 
fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, he, he actually did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And what does the enemy do? Not true. Don't believe him. He's leading you astray. You've misheard him. That's not the right way to God. Let me show you the right way to God. In verse four, it says, the serpent says, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Let me just pause for a minute and, and make a point. The enemy is not trying to tempt Adam and Eve away from God. Not trying to tempt them to rebel against God. What he says is, hey, come this way and you'll be more like God. Come this way. This is the way to godliness. This is the way to be like God. Can I just say, the enemy won't always tempt you with bad stuff. He can tempt you with good stuff. You can be doing good stuff for God. You can be all about reading your Bible and praying and all the rest of it, but you're doing it out of the wrong tree. You're doing it out of the tree and not, oh, I need to do this to be good. Oh, I need to get better at this. Oh, God will be angry if I do this. And God says, if you approach life that way, if you approach me that way, it will lead to death. Don't, don't get into the lie that it's, oh, it's only when I'm naughty. No, no, friend, you can be doing lots of good things, but you're doing them out of the wrong motive. You're doing them out of the wrong tree. Is this okay? All right. So what happens? Adam and Eve, they're suckers. They buy sea monkeys, mate. They, they, they buy into the lie. You know, they look at all the packaging and stuff, and they're like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. We see it in verse 6. Most, oh, no, I won't go there. Actually, yeah, everybody says the woman. Okay, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Sorry, my voice is going. She took some and ate it. All the women are going, yeah, you need about quiet. She also gave some to her husband. Okay, he's guilty too. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, made coverings for themselves. Okay, let me just say this. The lie that the enemy used back in the garden is the same lie he's using today. It's the same lie he's feeding you with today. Why? Because it works. Generation after generation after generation have believed the lie. They've bought into this lie and the enemy is continuing today. The choice wasn't about be good or be evil. It was how will I approach God? Will I approach him through the tree of freedom or will I approach him through the knowledge of good and evil? It's the same lie. See, while the enemy has you feeding out of that tree, while the enemy has you consumed by what's right and what's wrong, he's got you suckered because you miss the tree of life. You're so busy trying to work out what's right and what's wrong and where's the lines and where's the boundaries and, and how good do I have to be for God to be happy? And you miss the tree of life. See, on the tin, it makes all these promises. But when you start living that way, friends, it will consume you. It will kill you. Many people have bought into this lie. They, they end up falling away from church. 
They end up, church becomes hard work. God becomes hard work because they're so busy trying to be good, trying to do the right thing, trying to read their Bible more, trying to pray more, trying to try to help the old lady, you know, but it's out of the wrong motive. It's about their understanding of good and evil and they get burned out. They get taken out. The thing that I laugh at, actually I don't. It actually upsets me. Is I see, not, not this church of course, but other churches. I see, uh, I see all these young people. So much potential. Huge potential. But the enemy has them so ensnared that they're spending their whole time consumed with this, what's right and what's wrong. The enemy has led them to, to have an understanding that this is God, that God is about what's right and what's wrong, and you can do this, but you can't do that. And the enemy has them trapped into this image of God, and they're spending all their time resisting this image of God, and it ain't even God. It's not even God. It's a, it's a false God. It's a knockoff. It's not God. They're so consumed with, oh, is this right or is this wrong, that they miss completely the tree of life. They miss completely that God's going, I never wanted you to live in that tree. You're so consumed. I never want. It was never about right or wrong. It's about living in the tree of life. And you know why it upsets me so much? Because I see so much of myself in those young people. Our partying, our clubbing, our doing all the good things. And they're so consumed about, is this all right or wrong? And what will these people think? And God goes, get out of the tree. Get out of the tree. They're consumed by an enemy that's deceived them. And if that's you, because I actually put this message together for you. If that's you, friend, would you do me one favor? because I see so much of myself in you. Would you just give God a chance? Would you just, would you, I'm not, I'm not telling you to change your behavior. All I'm saying is would you give God an opportunity to show you the God of the tree of life? Would you, would you just, I, I don't care what you need to do. I'm not, I'm not about behavior. I'm not, I'm just, because what hurts me is you're missing God. You've got this false image of God and it brasses me off because the enemy's got you Tied down. I've got to be careful. They're recording this. And I put this message together solely for you guys. Because I want to come against the enemy that's trying to deceive you and destroy you and take you out. And all I'm asking you, all I'm asking you is give God an opportunity. Would you be open? Would you just got to go, okay, God, I don't know if I'm in or I'm not, but would you reveal to me this God of the tree of life? Because you know what? I promise you, He will. I know He will. Amen. Sorry, that's a little side. All right. How do we know? How do we know the genuine article? How do we know what's genuine and what's not? How do we know that we've got good news and not fake news? How do we know we're in the tree of life and not the tree of knowledge? Jesus said this. He says, if you have seen me, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the perfect representation of our heavenly Father. And if we can strip away 
all the religious nonsense, if we can just strip away all the knowledge of good and evil and what's right and what's wrong, if we can strip all that away and just look at Jesus, you'll see the tree of life. You'll see the tree of life in all its glory, all its power, all its extravagance. It's like, would the real Jesus, would the real Jesus please stand up? Amen, bro. Come on, come on. I'm preaching to you. Hmm. Shall we do that? Let me wrap up. John chapter 2, verse 1. This is Jesus' first miracle. It said, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples also uh, had been invited to the wedding. <clears throat> when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they got no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, <coughs> hang in there. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best till the end. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. It says, he thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. This miracle reveals the glory of Jesus, the tree of life. Six stone jars, 180 gallons. John, who wrote this scripture, makes a point to ensure we all realize these jars were filled to the brim. 682 liters of wine, 908 bottles of wine. Like this is extreme. Like this is over the top. John lays it all out. How many stone jars, how big they were, even to the point where he's like, man, make sure you know they're full to the brim. For whatever reason, John seems to be pretty clear that the quantity of wine is important to this story. This, I like, this is crazy. It's like, this is so much wine. Now don't shoot the messenger. Jesus did the miracle. I'm just doing the math here. I'm just telling you how much wine was there. This wedding, it is late at night. I mean, this is a party that you've never seen before. They've already drunk all the wine. They've cleared out the cupboards. There is not a drop left. And Jesus kicks into this party. 108 gallons of wine, 682 liters of wine, 908 bottles of wine. Like this is just insane. Like what do you do with this? Like like is Jesus going, come on, it's okay to party. You know, come drinking, come on, let's just get out there and party. Let's live it up. 
Sorry to burst your bubble, guys. No, he ain't saying that. He's not saying that. The Bible is clear. Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what do we do with this story? What do we do with this miracle? When you, when you look at it and you study it, you find this is such a controversial piece of Scripture. There are people, uh, scholars, theologians that will tell you, no, this can't be true because Jesus would never be seen in that place. Jesus would never be seen hanging out with all these drunk people. Friend, this is the same Jesus that spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well. That's more scandalous back that time than this is. There are others that go, well, you know what? It actually wasn't real wine. Like when he turned it to wine, it was actually grape juice. There wasn't any alcohol in it. It was just grape juice. Friend, the Scripture doesn't say that. Others say, because they're hung up on how much volume. Others say, oh, it was only the little bit that he drawed out of the top. That's, that's the bit that was turned into wine. I don't say that. Why? Why is there so much controversy over this wine? All these theologians, all these scholars, they're talking about, should Jesus be at the party or shouldn't he? How much wine was there? Was there really? Friends, that's tree and knowledge stuff. It's tree and knowledge stuff. It's about what's good and what's bad. How bad is bad? See, for me, there's two ways to approach the Scripture. Two lenses you can see it through. You can see it through the knowledge of good and evil, or you can see it through the tree of life. And let me tell you, they're two completely different views. See, when you're operating out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, all you see is about how much alcohol was there. Does this mean I can drink or does this mean I can't drink? Does this mean I can go partying or does this mean I can't go partying? That you're consumed in this tree of knowledge about what's good and what's evil. Should Jesus be there or shouldn't He? Because we want to know, we want to understand. It's all about knowledge. We're feeding out of this tree of knowledge. See, the alternative and the way God wants us to approach Him is through the tree of life, friends. And it's a way different approach. In verse 11, it says, through this, Jesus revealed His glory. Yeah, it revealed His glory, all right. It revealed His power, all right. But what it also revealed was the tree of life. The tree of life and it's all its fullness and all its goodness and all its grandness. See, this wasn't cheap wine Jesus kicked into the party late at night. This wasn't Jesus just going, yeah, okay, here's another couple of little bottles, just one last toast, last round, and then we're out of here. No, 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 no. This wasn't, this wasn't cheap alcohol. This wasn't low quality. This wasn't what Jesus bought at Packy. You know, it's on sale at Packy. So, so Jesus, no, no, no. This was top quality wine. This was wine they hadn't taken. This is probably $30,000 worth of wine Jesus throws into this party. See, this wedding at Cana, we see the extravagance. We see the generosity. We see the mind-blowing creativity of God. It is the same extravagance. It's the ex same creativity that we see being breathed out at creation. 
It, it's mind-blowing. It's, it's bigger than what we can even imagine. Like, have you ever looked up at the stars? Like, have you seen how big that cosmos is? Have you ever seen the indescribable movies where there's like planets and galaxies we don't even see that are full of color and sound and, and, and stuff that we can't comprehend? Jesus is the perfect representation of His Father. He's kicking into this party extravagance, celebration, joy, life, life. And we read these scriptures. We read about those miracles and we get caught up in, well, how much wine was it? Are you allowed to drink that much wine? What about party? We get caught up in our trees of knowledge of what's good and what's bad. And the enemy goes, yeah, come on. Come on, keep coming down that road. Keep coming down about what's right and wrong because it will destroy you, friend. And the whole time we're getting suckered into that. We're missing the tree of life. We're missing the real story. We're missing what's really going on. See, that wedding in Cana was a glimpse It was a foretaste of what is going to come. It's it's representative of the ultimate wedding feast where Jesus comes back for a bride, where there will be partying and rejoicing and life and abundance and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. And we get caught up in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. How can we know? Like, how can we know that, 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 that I'm not in that tree of knowledge, that I'm in the tree of life? How can we be sure that we're walking in freedom? How can we be sure we got hold of the good news, not the fake news? Well, for that, you've got to come next week because I'll do part two. For today, for the day, I want you to remember this. There are two trees There are two choices. There is the tree of knowledge and there's the tree of life. What tree are you feeding from? What tree are you living from? Because one brings death and the other brings freedom, liberty, and life. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that your life, your life in its fullness Father, I pray today for everyone here. God, for those of us that have been deceived, Father, that are, that are caught up in this tree of knowledge, Lord, I pray by your Spirit, you'd just bring revelation to them. You'd help them to see the truth. Father, for all those people that are resisting you, because all they see you as is of rules and regulations and can't do's, Father, I pray for them, God, that you would reveal yourself to them truly as you are, as the tree of life. I pray as they give you opportunity, as they begin to wrestle with the fact, man, have I been leaving a lie? Have I, is this not God? As they wrestle with that stuff, God, I pray invade their space.